Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome to Returning Home. I'm your host, Natalie Sapinski. I'm playing for you right now a short recording, which I did um, as I was walking through my yeshuv on Friday. Just listen for a few seconds, okay? It's Yom Shishi here, Friday, <clears throat> about noon. We just walked by the Pu'uton. Some people call that a ma'on. What it is is a, is a nursery. Probably just heard the bus go by. And this is the sound of life here. Shalom. Kids are coming home from school. People are shopping last minute shopping. The store's only open until 1.30. And people are starting to get ready for Shabbat. I, um, I played that for you because if you follow the news and you're on social media and reading about all the protests going on here, makes you know the the social media and the news you read makes it seem like lives here are in turmoil but as you just heard and as i'm telling you things are not in turmoil okay these protests and all this stuff are happening in the cities and um most people live you know all around israel i don't know I, i don't actually i don't know the number of people that live in the cities but where we live, it's normal. It's quiet. Life is just normal. This stuff is all stuff I'm reading like it's another like it's another place. I was in Arab this morning, and there was a little protest on the corner. And when I say little, there were three people, okay? Three old people. And there were some flags and some signs. It was hilarious. Uh, you'd think it was like maybe, I don't know, a birthday party. Uh, somebody was voting. No noise. Just some flags, you know, Israeli flags. And three people and they weren't yelling they were talking to each other so that was hilarious (laughs) i actually wanted to get a picture but i was driving so my daughter took a video um hilarious so uh there's you know it's a lot of um noise and you know you can do anything with the power of social media my husband's a former editor for a newspaper and he used to say to me what's news and i would answer you know, whatever's going on in the world. He's like, no, news is what I say it is. And it's true. The power lies with the people in control of all the publications, of the media. They're the ones who choose the stories to show. So why don't so many of the terror attacks get shown on TV, on Facebook, on these different chats? And and why do only select ones get shown? Because the people who are in charge Select the ones for reasons, for whatever reasons they have. Um, 
And just like this is supposedly big news and the country's in turmoil, well, you know, I just told you, I don't, I don't see anything happening. Um, it is true. A lot of things are shut down. But uh, if you're not involved in any of those things, life is just as normal. So I hope this ends. It's, it's horrible. And I really, really hope it ends because the corruption that has been in these uh, places of government and in the judiciary and, you know, in all... This happens everywhere, but the 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 corruption should, you know, end. <laughs> and the people protesting are saying, no, we don't want it to end. So it's just ridiculous. Um, but people are actually checking in with me. Are you okay? And uh, as if, you know, I'm not. Um, the terror is, is as bad as always. So that's not okay. And uh, you probably have heard, and I hope you people, the ones that are listening to the show, actually follow the news um there have been shootings you know in harara that area when you're driving up route 60 and you need to get north to harbracha or itamar El Amora, all those places there have been uh, shooting now at our soldiers um so that's that's terrible and you all probably know there was an american ex-american and his wife were hurt um he actually recovered and he's go- he went home this week david stern and um two boys were killed uh two, maybe three weeks ago, 21 and 23-year-old in that area. It's a strip of road. It's a narrow strip of road that is really going through the middle of an Arab town. I've been there many times, and you are just like a sitting duck there. It's it's like being, um, it's like, you know, when you cruise the, the mall road in your hometown, maybe you drive up and down the road, and that's where all the shops are. That, that's what it is. You're in the middle of this Arab town all of a sudden, and we're just trying to get to a different yeshuv. And to leave that yeshuv, to go to Yerushalayim, the, the residence there, that's the only road that exists. So all of a sudden you find yourself in the middle of this Arab village and their, all their businesses and all their restaurants and all their commerce. And they've been uh, you know, throwing rocks and shooting at Jews. And it's, it's terrible, really terrible. And um, it has to stop. And so they are building another road. But aside from that, um, Pesach is coming, and it's a very special time of year. I feel I feel like there's always a holiday, and it's always special. But it really is just so exciting to be here. And unfortunately, I'm only having part of my family. Uh, my two soldiers will not be allowed to come home, so we'll have a small seder. The kids. Um, want it to be private, and I guess, I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe I'll invite someone, maybe I won't, I don't know. But um, it's special anyway because everything is green, and it really means, like, summer is happening soon. Summers were just around the corner, and um, I wasn't going to share this with you. This isn't a big deal, but my daughter uh, is home. She left her school, the agricultural school I'm always bragging about. Well, she had had it. She can't take it anymore. And she had been complaining to me. And I just kind of told her to just, you know, just keep going, stop complaining, keep going. And she decided, no, I'm not going anymore. And she would sleep in and she would go in late. And the teachers got upset. So they called us in for a meeting and they were like, look, if you know, if you want to be part of the program, Fine. If you're not committed, then leave. We can't have, you know, someone here who's not who's not doing her what she's supposed to do. So she left and she's been home for, you know, a while and we're finding another school for her. And um, this is not the first time this has happened. 
This happened to my son also. He left yeshiva in, I think, also the end of 10th grade. This happens to lots of kids. They switch around, they jump around from school to school. It's not always a perfect fit. And, uh, you know, going to school and coming home is one thing, but these kids don't come home. They're, they're living there. And um, it's, uh, you know, it's something we just don't have. And, and I was actually talking to my daughter today about this. And she said, do you, did you have these kind of schools and you grew up, you know, do you know people who went to these kind of schools, boarding school? And I said, no, I, I really don't. There aren't so many in America that I know of. But here it's very uh, common. And um, so we're dealing with that. But aside from that, things are pretty quiet here. Um, my youngest son will be going to yeshiva in a lot. He was accepted. And down there, um, they stress microbiology and um, diving. So he's very excited. That will be in September. And he's finishing up his eighth grade here. And he has this attitude like, I don't need to do anything. And I also have a senior who has this attitude, I don't need to do anything. And it's like, wow, can these kids be any lazier? So it's, it's funny. Um, you know, you think they're all out of the house, and then here they are again, just like lying around. And then it's Pesach vacation, and they're lying around. And before you know it, it's going to be summer. And things do go very quickly here. Life goes very quickly here. Um, you know, I'm going to be a total empty nester. And uh, that's kind of exciting, I guess. So now we're looking to get another dog to keep our dog company. And, you know, just because we live in Israel and just because we live in the Hebron Hills and I carry a weapon and I have to be careful driving and there's terrorism doesn't mean we don't get older and we don't go through this empty nest syndrome and all this type of thing. These things do happen, too. We're just regular people out here. And any of you who visit me see that, you know, you see my kids wander in and out or, uh, you know, the complaints about the food, the refrigerator being empty uh, I have to, you know, yell at them to take out the trash when they're around, you know, when they're around. Um, one of my, I have two boys who are soldiers, I've told you that, and they're very different. My older boy, who is in um, ammunition, he is pretty quiet, doesn't complain much, doesn't talk much, um, complains, maybe, you know, com complains once or twice that there's no food and how horrible our selection of cereal is, and even the army has better cereal, and just, you know, he's frustrated. My other son complains how he doesn't want to share a room anymore with his younger brother. He doesn't want some little kid in his room. He needs his privacy. We need better beds. We need better furniture. And we need better food. And why am I buying junk? And uh, everything's such a mess. And when he comes home, it's such a mess. And he has no clothes. Wow. It's like I can do no right. All right? It's just awful. I mean, it's funny. They're, they're soldiers, but they're still teenagers. Um, and he even tells me that the army is like a kitana. A kitana is a camp, like a day camp. And he said, Mom, it's run by teenagers. It's run by kids. So um, <laughs> it's, uh, well, these are frustrations I get every Thursday because they come home every or every other Thursday. Every Thursday I have to uh, clean and, and get ready for basically everyone crashing down on my parade. So that's what's happening. Um and, uh, you know, people start, people start preparing for Pesach here, like, two weeks in advance. And um, that's really funny. Uh, everyone's home from school early. The yeshivas send the boys home, like, a week early. And I, it's really for the teachers, you know. The teachers need to start planning and cleaning their homes and everything. 
but um, so we're kind of forced to, to put everyone to work and give everyone jobs and like stay on top of them and, I, and I, it's very hard to get anything else done but um, that's part of life here that's part of living a, a holy I guess a Torah life a Torah observant life and um, it's beautiful and everyone's doing it you know everyone's home cleaning everyone's throwing out their uh, old utensils and their old dishes and their old furniture and they're painting their walls and cleaning their ovens and all this type of thing is going on and uh people are giving away food you see this on the chats giving away cookies giving away flour giving away rice giving away um pretzels uh, this type of thing and um you, you know when i walk my dog you see things out on the sidewalk you know piles of plates glass dishes that people don't want anymore and then you see old furniture in the in the um trash and at the Yajnia, my secondhand store that I run, um, I have a big group there, a big group of women, and they are doing a um, sale for Pesach and having uh, women sell their clothes, personally sell their clothes with tags and with their nice clothes, dresses. And then also now we collect clothes from people who live here. And for years that was not allowed, that was uh, forbidden because people were embarrassed and there was, um, the, the thinking was, it was uh, humiliating and embarrassing to wear clothes that your neighbors, that were once belonged to your neighbors. And um, what's secondhand? That's, that's what it is. It's, it's clothes that belong to someone else. But the thinking has changed, and my group of women who help at the store has grown so there was a vote taken and that whole procedure and that whole uh, rule was um, overthrown and now we do accept clothing. So wow, do we get a lot. We get a ton. We actually had to take rent a caravan in the Yishuv to put all the clothes. So people are now cleaning out their closets and instead of looking for places to take them, like they used to take them to Beersheba or to Kirat Arba, now they're taking them just down the street to us. That is a lot of work. It takes up a lot of time. They sort, you know, the women sort the clothes. It's a whole huge effort. And um, it's great because all the money goes to Sadaka. And we've been able to help a lot of families in a much bigger way than we were in the past. So it's really a wonderful thing. I mean, I work with donors for Hatzalalalokvodot, as you know, the medics in Judea and Samaria. And finding donors to help. Um, whether it's in the memory of someone, a piece of equipment like a like an ambulance, or if it's um, defibrillators, and you know we put a name on those on the equipment in memory of or however that person wants, and you see people get very excited, and and you know we'll have them sometimes talk and give a speech at a dedication ceremony, and the the donor will will talk about the person in whose memory the item is being given and it's really um, a beautiful thing to be able to memorialize someone in such a meaningful way in the state of Israel which is alive and kicking you know and in places where their their parents or their grandparents were never able to come were, were, would never have even dreamed that their name would be on a you know ambulance in the Jordan Valley for instance or in the Hebron Hills and it really is ex exciting to be able to give and to connect to a thriving community. And um, that's what I feel when I get involved and I go on with the 
secondhand store and we're able to help families who live here um, we're you know being part of this vibrant community we're we're able to give and help and build not just uh, pay taxes and send our kids to school that's important too look every resident here plays their part every resident here counts but it's it's something um, even deeper to be able to give extra and I love it. And I even told one of my donors um, about this, how I do this on the side. And I said to him, now I understand what it's like to be you, to be a, a contributor. And um, it's really true. And if any of you uh, listening want to connect to the land of Israel and want to dedicate something to help our medics, um, please contact me and, and, I'll, and I'll see what we can do in memory of someone, in honor of someone. Um, it's a very significant, meaningful way to connect to Israel and be part of things here. Um, even if you can't physically be here, um, put your, you know, your father's name on a medic bag, put your grandfather's name on an ambulance. It's, it's great, it's meaningful, it's making a difference. Um, we need help here. There are communities growing and people keep moving out here. Um, I love that, you know, I love that we're not afraid even though there's terror and there's rock throwing and there's this constant conflict with our Arab neighbors, people aren't afraid. The Jews are not afraid and they just keep coming. I love it. It's great. Um, I'm not afraid, you know, and uh, people used to ask me, aren't you afraid to live there? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm really not. It's just something you get used to. And you, you say to Filat HaDerech, you drive with strength, with determination, with... Um, without fear, because we are where we're supposed to be. And these problems going on internally with Israel and the politics, that will also work itself out. Uh, we are where we're supposed to be. You know, it's never been said that coming here and living here would be easy. Anybody who wants to come here and have an easy life is, is probably making uh, choosing the wrong place. This is not a place to have an easy life. This is the place to have a meaningful life. And it does happen everywhere you go. If you're in the cities, if you're in the periphery, there's beauty, there's holiness all over Israel. There are Bible stories. You know, you're walking on these ancient lands, these ancient stones. You know, it's so cool. My daughter right now is with friends of hers at a Bor Maim. What's a Bor Maim? It's a well, an ancient well. That's where she is. She took the dog. She packed up a backpack with her coffee maker, a bakal, which is mine. And she took her friends up to this boar. She's never been there before. I told her where it is. There are four of them here in Susia. That's what people do. That's what the kids do in their spare time. They go, they jump in the water, they climb down a ladder, they make coffee on the hills. It's so beautiful. It's so natural. It's such a simple life. And um, yes. We have our, you know, challenges and our stresses. And yes, we have electricity and we have the smartphones and the TV shows and all that type of thing. But there's this other life that's, that's, um, that, that's stronger than that. And it's these, these beautiful mountains and these beautiful hills and the rocks and the dirt and the goats and the shepherds. And it's just awesome. Um, we have a hill here that has two small houses and one family that's living in a tent. And um, this is where we had my son's bar mitzvah. 
and my daughter and I went the other day to see this family because we heard there were puppies. She has dogs there protecting the family. There's, um, there's a couple with three children, and we, we probably are going to take one of the puppies. There are 18 of them. And while we were there, the lady asked my daughter if she would want to come and help her from time to time. And my daughter asked her, what do you need help with? And she said, sometimes I need to go uh, pick up the kids and I can't take out the goats. And also I need to clean out the pen and I, and I can't do that and do that. So yesterday my daughter on her own, you know, called her up, made an appointment, went up there, said, can I come help you? And she actually ended up taking out the goats by herself with a stick and a dog. <laughs> She's now a shepherd. She said it was great. It was very exciting. It's very exciting to see this happening. Um, you know, who does that, right? Who would have thought that my kids would be doing that here in Israel? I wouldn't have. But then again, who would have thought I'd be going out every morning with my dog and rocks, you know, walking all around the periphery, the security road by myself. And then when I see Arabs, I call the security, the head of security and tell and take pictures and send them in. This is what I'm doing in the morning. It's funny. Um, this morning, actually, there was so much fog that I got a little bit lost. I couldn't see uh, the way I had come and I couldn't see the yeshuv. And I ended up um, like, uh, I don't know, not far, you know, really 50 meters from uh, the entry point from where I come. But it was it's just very funny. You're really out here. It's really great. Um, it's very much the, when people say the shetach, you're out in, in the field. And um, it's such a difference when you go to a city, even Arad, you know. There's like not so much open space there. But here, everywhere is. And um, I've said this before, and I'll say it again to all of you listening. If any of you come to Israel, you are welcome to come down. Please reach out to me. I will take you around. I will take you a group even I'll take around down here. It's such a special part. I'm so lucky we found it. I, I used to think this, and I, and I never have expressed this on the show, but I used to think to myself, this is a little secret, and I don't think the people who live here want the rest of the world to know about it. You know, there's no advertisement, really. There's, you don't hear about Susia. You don't hear about Har Chavron, these different Yishuvim, Ma'on, Carmel, Yatir, Esael. You don't hear about them, right? And it may be that they wanted to keep them kind of quiet because the life here is very, very special. And it's very um, high quality and it's quiet and we want to keep it that way, you know? And um, yeah, it's slower here and we don't have services that maybe you have in the big cities you know there's no shopping mall there's no there's not even a gas station but it's um it's just great and it's so um like i keep saying simple and i and i mean that in the best way it's it's pure um you know when you think back and maybe those of you who grew up in the 60s and the 70s how you used to play outside until it got dark and then you come in and you didn't ever have to um you know like have your mom worried about you. You didn't have to check in with anybody. You left at after school and you came home at dark. Well, that's kind of what it is like here. Um, you don't really worry about things. Uh, people know their neighbors and trust their neighbors. And uh, there's not that many places to go. You know, you, you stay in the area, in the neighborhood, 
and you get home uh, before dark. Now, my kids, you know, my youngest is 13. He's out playing every night until 10. That's a little late, but I let him because he is 13, and he did get into yeshiva, and that's what his friends are doing, and I want him to have friends. But that's, you know, they're out. They're out playing sports. They're out on the court. They're out making tea. They're out doing a bonfire. Um, there are only so many places to go, and, and that's what they're doing. And all my kids have done this. All my kids have lived this way at that age. And they continue to do this when they go to yeshiva, when they go to their high school. This is the way they grow up. This is what they do for fun. And it's very nice, you know. It's it's clean. It's like clean fun. And uh, I love it. That's what I do. And that's what we do when we go to the beach. We, we do cookouts on the beach. And when we go on a walk, on a hike, we, uh, you know, bring the pakal. It's 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 the pakal is um, it's a abbreviation for... Um, I think like a, a gas burner, okay? And any of you who have come and visited me, you'll see, you know, we make coffee out on the rocks and we make biscuits with us. Uh, that's what we do. That's pretty much what we do. But um, you kind of could forget about that if you're only looking at the news and only listening to the, uh, the bad stuff. It's, um, you know, that's, that's what you hear. That's what you see. But the good stuff still is here, is, will remain and it is a reason to, to come. And I don't think Aliyah is slowing down. And uh, I will try and get a representative from Nefesh Benefesh on the show soon to, to give us actual data. But people are coming on the show. They, they want to talk about their Aliyah. It's just a scheduling problem. So this week, I don't know uh, if we're going to have someone. It's, a, it's just a lot of scheduling. But there are a lot of Olim. And people keep coming, and it is great, because I know the situation in the States isn't that great. A lot of anti-Semitism being reported, and I think that's just not the news. I think that's real. You have to uh, remember, just because things aren't reported doesn't mean they're not happening. Like I said before, there's a lot of, a lot of terror, little attacks, big attacks, all kinds of attacks that, that happen. They may not be reported, and they may not get... Um, the proper coverage, because they're only reported locally. Same thing with anti-Semitism. I don't think everything's reported. You know, we're not, we're not going to hear about everything. There are things that happen at locally. Um, you know, they're maybe covered up or just not reported, not published for, for a lot of reasons. Um, but, uh, yeah, we all hear things and know that things are happening. Even recently, um, someone sent me a, uh, an article showing how in Delaware, where I'm from, there's a spike in anti-Semitism. How many incidents are there? They've quadrupled, I believe, in 2022. And swastika is being painted on housing development signs and things like this, which, you know, never happened when I was growing up. And uh, it's, it's not unusual that it's happening today. It, it's, it's, I don't even think that stuff is newsworthy at this point. Okay, It happens so often and so much. So um, coming to Israel is a great option if you don't want to deal with that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with coming to Israel to, to get away from being a minority. People come to Israel for all kinds of reasons. It doesn't have to be that you're religious. It doesn't have to be that you have um, a big, big connection. It could be because you want to be part of the Jewish people. And that's legitimate, and that's fine, and that's great. I actually just looked up some statistics of population data for Israel. 
Tel Aviv has 438,800 people. Jerusalem has 971,800 people. Um, and those are the two biggest cities. Beersheba has 651,000. And I have here that Haifa has 1,164,000. But I don't know if that's true because another site I saw showed me that there are no cities with more than a million people. Um, so maybe Haifa has almost a million people. But in any case, um, what I'm trying to say is most people are not protesting. That's what I'm trying to say. This is a minority. I, I, I read somewhere it's a 5% of the population is protesting, okay? So um, if, uh, if you're following this news and you're getting concerned, you, I don't think you should be. Um, here's some interesting news of my daily life here in the southern Chevron Hills. As most of you know, I walk my dog every morning very early. Um, it's been harder and harder to get up early just because that's life, right? But I try to get around 5.36 and do an hour with him. And we go out in the hills. We go out on the security perimeters and beyond. And the hills, and when I say hills, I'm saying it's outside Susio, okay? This is the area that's, there are no houses, there are no people, and uh, right beyond those hills is empty space and Arab um, houses and Arab villages, okay? But I, I go beyond, you know, not, I don't go into the Arab villages, I stay no man's land, I guess. And um, I uh, don't carry my weapon with me, I just take the dog, so I carry rocks with me, sometimes a stick. And um, the last week I've uh, seen Arabs there and I've taken pictures and sent them to security, took a video, sent them to security, spoke with him and he thanked me and explained this is a period of time when they are out collecting this um, plant that they eat, they drink, they cook with, so it will end soon. But, um, you know, one of these days I did see an Arab shepherd, a couple of his kids, and they were walking towards us. And, uh, you know, they're not collecting herbs. They're just being jerks, uh, trespassing, whatever. They shouldn't be coming close to us. So these things do happen. And um, I, I like being out there and seeing it with my own eyes, you know, and being part of the uh, solution, I guess. But this morning, uh, we went on one of these hills and we came back and I was tired. I only, I didn't want to do like two hours. I just want to do one hour. So we turned back and the one of the families who Jewish family, so there's on one of our hills, was grazing her goats, and one of the dogs was loose. The dogs are usually loose. They're you know these are shepherd dogs. They're there to help the flock and to keep them together. But this is not a shepherd dog. This is just a dog to help her. And she, he got very defensive and barking and came real close. And he was huge. Okay, the dog was huge. Anyway, he came real close and didn't listen to me. Didn't listen to the owner and attacked my dog. And um, my dog was on the leash, but uh, he still attacked him. Nothing I could really do, he's huge. Pinned him down and tried to bite him. Actually got, got, uh, got his you know, jaws around my dog. My dog is big, my dog is a Siberian Husky. But he carries a, uh, <laughs> he carries a um, harness, and I fill the harness with rocks. We're collecting rocks for our garden. And I had also tied his water dish to him. So he had all this equipment. I mean, it was so funny. I mean, the dog was attacking him and he couldn't even find a place to attack him because he had all this equipment. But it was awful. It was awful. And I couldn't do much. Um, 
And it was just happened so fast. And like, I didn't even have a stick with me, but she dropped her stick. I took his stick, started hitting the dog. She got in there and got him off. But we got home and he was bloody. And um, she came over and sprayed him with um, antibiotic. But I had an appointment anyway to the vet in Omer, which is a half hour drive. I had an appointment anyway to take him to get his shots. And um, we went and they, uh, we saw, they saw this and they patched him up and put some staples in him and put a cone on his head. And found two little spots, two little spots where um, that big dog did get him with his teeth. But it was like one little pinprick and another little pinprick, like one eye tooth and another eye tooth. And that was it. And they just shaved that area and put uh, like uh, some kind of antiseptic cream on it. And um, that was it. And I was explaining this to a friend of mine because this was like a four-hour process. It took my whole morning, practically my whole day. I mean, we left the house at 9.30. We got home at 1.30. I was exhausted because it's a lot of waiting, a lot of waiting. We also, I'll tell you, have a puppy. We got a puppy yesterday from the same family, from this woman with the goat herd. This is the same hill where I had my son's bar mitzvah, by the way. There are two small houses. One of them is like a house that different people live in from time to time, soldiers. And one of them is a young couple. But this other woman lives in a truck and a tent with her three kids and her husband. And they have a whole encampment. They have a, a, fl- uh, a whole flock of uh, goats. They also have a donkey. They have ducks. They have chickens. They have dogs. And now they have 18 puppies. And we took one. And my daughter um, started helping her at the farm. I introduced them a couple days ago. This woman shops at a secondhand store. And she's French. She's an immigrant. A very uh, brave woman with her husband, who is actually Siberian, and very cool people. And I try to, to like, you know, get to know them a little bit. Anyway, so it was just kind of awkward that this happened after we've built this relationship, and my daughter's been helping at the farm, and we adopted a puppy yesterday. But this didn't upset me. None of this really upset me, because I knew what to do. I had my veterinarian. Um, it was a whole clinic. It's a big clinic. And I felt like, okay, this is a conflict and this is a, a, a stressful situation that I know how to handle and I've been here long enough that I have my resources and I know what to do. And um, I kind of wanted to share that with you because this is almost like daily life here. You know, there's always going to be some kind of conflict. There is always conflict. There is always negotiation, you know. This is with your employees, your neighbors, your children, your spouses, your friends, Um even at the secondhand store, we have arguments and conflicts, and I have to mediate. Um, these things happen. It happens in a big community, and it happens in a small community. And it's not for everybody. You know, sometimes people want to kind of be anonymous and not let people know who they are and what they're up to. But when you're in a small community like mine, you can't hide. And I think that's great. I think it's great that everyone sees you're good and everyone sees you're bad, and you help each other. And um, I think we all grow that way. And I think I've grown. And I think any of you who want to move to Israel, who are looking to connect because you're leaving everything else behind, maybe you're coming to look for a new start. Maybe you're coming looking for a new family. You should consider a small community like mine where you can make a difference. I don't know really any other way to put it. It's just that, you know, yesterday I was speaking to an old friend who was asking me if my life, why I chose this life. Why did you choose that life? And, and I think he was, well, I don't even know, know what he was trying to get out of me, to be honest with you. But I think we all, especially those of you listening, who want to move to Israel, 
have a real opportunity to choose a new kind of life. You can live on a hill, alone, with a herd of goats, chickens, and ducks. Or you can live in a small community with your own little house and garden. And you can live in a city, safely with your family. You can live in the periphery, in a small village. You know, it's also possible to live in the desert, where maybe you wouldn't have that possibility ever anywhere. Um, you can live up in the north, near the border, where it's very green. You know, it's it's very cool, and uh, you should you should use Israel that way. Use it as an opportunity to change, to set a new path for yourself. Um, even if you're super successful and perfectly content wherever you are, Israel is really the place where we're supposed to be. This is the home of the Jewish people. This is the Jewish state. And it's built up enough today to take in everybody. So if you have had that dream and you keep pushing it off, I don't think you should push it off anymore. I mean, really, what are you waiting for? We only have one life. We only get one chance. So use it. love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dax from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Doc Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 